the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The go with the free Business 1440 mobile app. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Police in San Francisco say they have arrested a suspect who wanted to carry out an ISIS-inspired terrorist attack on Christmas Day. Gordon Jameson is a man's father and seemed genuinely perplexed at the news about his son as he explained to KFSN. Unreal. I, I couldn't really believe it. I didn't, under, I didn't understand it. You know what I mean? We talked about, like I told you before, we talked about it. You know, I'm a devout Christian. I, you know, I love Jesus. And, you know, and we talked about the religions and stuff like that. But he never, he always said he was, he, you know what I mean? He just said that, you know, the, the you know, son of Christ wasn't the only begotten son. And I'm saying, yes, he's the only begotten son of God. Attorney General Jeff Sessions yesterday ordered a review of the Obama administration's handling of a Drug Enforcement Administration program targeting drug trafficking by the Iranian-backed group Hezbollah. This is SRN News. Caregiving is more than a job, it's a calling. And Visiting Angels can match your loved ones with the right caregiver today. For years, the folks at Visiting Angels have been matching compassionate and professional in-home caregivers to individuals based on their needs and personalities. Senior care is meant to make life easier, not harder, and that's exactly what Visiting Angels does every day. Find them online at visitingangels.com or call 877-374-LIVE. They're America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels is always seeking those with the call for care giving employment opportunities are available and visiting angels provide support and guidance in fulfilling your caregiving and career dreams find them online at visitingangels.com or call 877-374-LIVE visitingangels.com or 877-374-LIVE each office is independently owned and operated franchise opportunities are available back to doing what i love and when you're in pain, you need the Good Feet Store. Don't suffer from foot pain, sore ankles, tired legs, achy back and hips, or sore knees. Go to the Good Feet Store for your no-obligation custom fitting and immediately feel the difference. The Good Feet Arch Support System is designed to put your feet in an ideal position, redistribute body weight more evenly, and help relieve pain and stress. With over 350 styles and sizes to relieve your pain. This is Michael Medved, and I wear my Good Feet Arch Support System in all of my shoes. I'm told they even work in high heels. I don't have experience with that. If you have stress, if you have tension, pressure, or pain in your back, hip, knees, ankles, or feet, call for your appointment, 855-554-3338. For your no-obligation fitting, you can use your flex spending accounts and most health savings accounts, too. Visit one of the three Good Feet locations, Bloomington, Maple Grove, and the brand-new store in Maplewood. Thanks to the Good Feet store. Up next on the King Banyan Show, King wonders aloud if anyone is listening. Side deals, secret promises, he's always got an agenda. Somebody clap your hands. Yes. Well, it's time. Time to bring some joy, y'all. 
Welcome back. King Banyan Show, Christmas edition. This is 1440. Thank you for listening. This has been fun for me. As I tell people regularly, this is sort of how I get past the fact that after I became an administrator, I don't get to do classrooms anymore. So what you're hearing uh, in the last hour in this is is a, an expanded version of what's usually about a 45 to 50 minute lecture I give um, to a classroom that has already learned about gift exchange in primitive societies and instead turns to talking about gift exchanges that happen in modern societies, typically around holidays such as Christmas or Hanukkah. And to do, and, and the short answer to this comes from the, the short version of this comes from, this is a very small clip describing the study that kind of kicked this all off, at least for me. Um, from uh, Joel Walfogel. This, this is a description in a, in a piece at Marginal Revolution University by Tyler Cowan and Alex Tabarak. Let's play it, please. One economist, Joel Walfogel, he surveyed a large group of people, and he found that on average, givers spent about $50 on gifts the recipients only valued at a little over $40. In recent years, Americans have been spending about $100 billion dollars every year on Christmas presents. So that means that we're wasting 18 to 20 billion dollars a year. So even if you're right that some gifts create value, on average, gifts still seem pretty wasteful. And yet we do it, right? <laughs> we continue to give these gifts. And so you, you have to think to yourself, there's something wrong with that. Are people just stupid? Right? What, what, when we try to give cash, we tend to think the people who receive it have kind of a weird reaction to it. Let's play the first Seinfeld clip again. Maybe you won't like it. Oh, how could I not like it? Of course I'll like it. You could not like it. Just the fact that you remembered means everything. Of course I remembered. It reminded me every day for two months. <laughs> Oh, the card. <laughs> cash? What do you think? You got me cash? Well, that's right. You can go out and get yourself whatever you want. No good? Are you my uncle? But if I don't give you cash, I run the risk of losing somewhere around... 15 to 20 percent of the value of what I spent because I don't have enough knowledge and I don't have good incentives to do that. But the point here has been so far on what we've said so far is but getting someone a gift that has sentimental value to the recipient. Maybe it's taking them, taking them on a vacation where you're giving your time. If you offer your grandmother a walk in a park, it's probably going to mean as much to her as getting her a card, getting her a gift card to go out for dinner. Getting her a gift card to go out for dinner isn't valuable, but taking her to dinner and putting your time to it, that's fine. She'll, okay, you could, as, as Arthur Brooks writes in his piece on Christmas giving, uh, Arthur Brooks, the president of the American Enterprise Institute, he says, 
<laughs> tell Grandma that you were planning to buy her a Mercedes, but after reading some social science research, you decided to take her to the park instead. She might look a little disappointed, but no doubt in her heart, she will be glad that you took her to the park and spent time with her. Those are the things that are important. After all, my mom is not happy that I'm here doing a radio program with you rather than flying to see her um, on, on Christmas, right? And she says, she says to me, I can buy you a ticket. And I'm like, Mom, it's not the ticket. I've got, I've got, three, I've got three people up here, four people up here, who really would like to see Grandpa or, or Dad or Husband. At Christmas, and as much as I'd like to see Mom too, we live in different places. So I'll have to catch you a little bit later, perhaps around, perhaps around uh, uh, the the Orthodox uh, Orthodox Christmas coming up on the sixth of January. My father's family being Armenian, that was always a day that we marked as part of our ritual for for Christmas. Let me dispense with one other thing. Okay. Um, re-gifting. Right? Have you ever received a gift and thought to yourself, oh, I don't think I really want that. Maybe I should re-wrap it and give it to somebody else instead. Right? Well, people tend to think that that's a terrible, that's a terrible idea. That you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. That that's a social taboo. But there's been studies that have, in fact, there's been a, five studies that, that have shown, in fact, that, um, that, in fact, they're not offended by this. Right? What would be better? Regifting something? Or putting the gift in the closet and not using it? Regifting or throwing it away? Right? Givers often believe, givers believe, this is from a study that I'll, I'll tweet to you, and you can follow the show along at pound KBRS if you want to see social science research on the art of, on the act of giving. This is, this is from, uh, the, uh, from Psychological Science. This is a journal of the Association for Psychological Science, um, Givers believe that the act of giving passed title to the gift onto the receivers. The receivers were free to decide what to do with the gift. In contrast, receivers believe that givers retain some say in how their gifts are used. So it's the receivers that actually have the problem with regifting what they've what they've gotten. And so Arthur Brooks, who actually gives me the link to the the original piece, and I'll tweet I'll tweet Brooks's piece to you as well. I think I did so earlier in the week, but we'll do that again here at Pound KBRS. Okay. Participants in the study reported that if they gave something an, someone an unwanted gift, they would prefer to be given away than thrown away outright. So that's something. So the key is, I think, to follow the fruitcake principle. If you don't value it, don't re-gift it. Only pass on things you yourself own and authentically treasure. So, I received something from a from a coworker 
just this past week. I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to the show. And so I think I'm going to be able to get away with talking about this. She said, my wife looks at it and she says to me, and it's, it, and it's a tree ornament. And I've received several of these in the past, in the past uh, two weeks. And my wife says, looks at this one and says, says, can we re-gift this? And I said, to whom would you re-gift it? And she said, well, I don't know. And I said, so here's the rule. It's the fruitcake principle. If you value that, but you think the person who's going to receive it will value it as much as we do, then you can absolutely give it to them. Don't worry about the person that gave it to me. That part I can explain. But if you're giving it away because you just don't want it around the house, right, that's that's not going to be good. But the actual research says if the other person is actually going to value and use it, chances are the person that gave it to you actually values it, actually would prefer you give it away to somebody else rather than just throw it in the trash. So what do you think? Is re-gifting a terrible, a terrible thing? Um, so in another study, scholars at Carnegie Mellon, according this again according to Art Brooks, scholars at Carnegie Mellon recently demonstrated were more likely to give practical gifts that seem personal, like a jersey for the, the recipient's favorite football team, than sentimentally valuable ones like a cherished photo we have had for years. But recipients want the other one as well. So, if you if your friend if a friend gives you something you truly love and you think will make someone else happy as well, feel free to regift it. But if it's a fruitcake, you're not fooling anybody. Just toss that sucker away. Do you get fruitcakes? Does anyone even still make them? They've been so disparaged. Um, last night, even my. Uh, my wife plays uh, plays piano, as as many listeners know. Here on Business fourteen forty, many of my my wife plays for several different groups. She's um, she's <laughs> we refer to her as the itinerant pianist, um, traveling from place to place, playing piano here or there. She'll she's we're, she's playing uh, two uh, Christmas services because a a church turned out its pianist wasn't available on Christmas Eve. I'm like. Who doesn't have a pianist on Christmas Eve? It's terrible. And my wife, you know, says, well, we'll, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. I'll play the piano for you. So anyway, she was playing for a group last night. Um, and they gave her, they gave her some Slovenian fruit bread of some kind. And she said, and she got it home and she says, I'm not sure I want it. And I said, well, let me try a slice. It's good. So it's almost it's almost the case that the only time I think you should ever give away a fruitcake is if you know that fruitcake is actually good. Arthur Brooks has one more idea that I want to share with you, along with a couple other things. And then we're going to also turn in this in this hour to the story of Christmas itself and the economics of the Christmas story. 
We'll have that for you after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Does your family believe in the power of a private school education? Are you looking into sending your child to a private school next year? Hi, Alyssa here with Business 1440, and we want to help your family by covering half of your child's first year of private school. This is a program we have had for five years now, and it has helped many families get into the school of their dreams. We are in the thick of open house season right now, so the timing couldn't be better. If you find a school you would like your child to attend, call me at 651-289-4406 to see if that school is one of the schools we have a partnership with. It's that simple. This isn't a financial aid program. This is for everyone. Don't pay more than you need to for your child's first year of private school. Call Business 1440 today at 651-289-4406 to take advantage of our half-off tuition program. That's Business 1440 at 651-289-4406. I'm Pastor David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. I've been in the ministry for over 30 years now, and because the Lord has continued to bless my business endeavors, I've never had to take a salary from the church, which has been a huge blessing in my life and a great way for me to give back to the Lord's work. I'd like to share with you my thoughts on the importance of the family business. You know, these days, people send their children to college to learn a trade that no one in the family has done before. They move away, they work for someone who doesn't love them, and then they trade their infinitely valuable time for a little bit of someone else's money. The old plan was to get a job but lay aside each month and later start a family business. As the owner, you leverage the time of others and earn off hundreds of man hours per day. It's called financial leverage. The added benefit is that each generation teaches the next and builds on these skill sets, and your children have the competitive advantage of experience. That's a great plan for potentially creating generational wealth. Tradeway offers you the vehicle to start such a family business by teaching you how to trade in the stock market. Perhaps you're intimidated or confused by the world of investing, but Tradeway is here to help you break down that confusing world of finance so that you can understand it. We're not your typical big Wall Street investment advisory firm. We keep it fun, simple, and personal from day one. We offer our students a powerful education on how to trade in the U.S. stock and options market, coupled with sound investment advice, and all from our family business. We're here to help you reach your biggest goals through taking small steps. Join us and bring your family. Coming to the Sheraton Bloomington, January 26th and 27th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. Welcome back. King Daniel Show Business 1440. Just a little bit more on Christmas gift giving. And there's a point I was trying to make earlier on here on Business 1440 has been our belief 
right? So I've been tweeting to you has been the stories that talk about and, and articles from uh, research that show sentimental gifts tend to do better. Here is the real, real problem, right, for me. In finance, we typically believe that people that try to pick individual stocks, okay, over time, typically do not do as well as those that just buy broad market indices. Buy and hold, don't try to time, dollar cost averaging, all of those stories. What are those stories about? They're stories that are that at the base of them have, we actually don't know very well what we think we know. That we make mistakes and have too much confidence in our own choosing abilities. Now, one of the things that gift giving does is it tries to act as a signal, right? It tries to signal to others what it is that that we think about them. So when I encourage you to think about sentimental gifts, there's still the problem that you might mess it up. You might make a mistake and not really really, uh, get the gift, the right gift for them. You might not be able to do very well. And it relates to our ability, inability to really think through and choose and, and, and make smart choices about the types of investments we make. We tend to think that we're smarter than the market and, and that we're not. So there was a study, this is many, many years ago. Um, there was a study that was done uh, by marketing scholars in, Nether- in the Netherlands and, and in Belgium that showed images of bedroom furniture to couples who had been together for at least six months. So they separated the, the, the pair, each pair, and asked them each to choose the style he or she liked best. And then, asked each, each, and then half were asked to predict what their partners would prefer, and the other half was given information about the preferences of a stranger called Person X and asked to choose styles for them based on those preferences. Guess which one they did They did better on? Because they had the information. So you're in a room looking at different, at, at different groups of furniture and you're saying, here's what I like and here's what my partner would like. And then, but they've asked your partner the same question. How many times do you guess what your partner likes? How many times do you, in fact, do better at guessing what some random person X would like? And the answer is, and unsurprisingly, now that I've kind of given away the secret, you do better at you do better at person X than you do at your own partner who you've been with together for at least half a year, right? The more information you have in your head about somebody, the less you're able to tease out their likes and dislikes. And part of that is we tend, when we try to signal to somebody, to impose our own preferences on our partners, which we would never do because we're nice people. We don't do that to strangers. So there's some part of signaling in giving a gift to somebody, you know, something that's supposed to be sentimental, that is a bit paternalistic, and we act more paternalistically 
to those that were around. So let's let's listen to uh, Tyler Cowen and and Alex Tabarek's marginal revenue. Rev- Marginal Revolution University. You try saying it three times fast uh, as discussing paternalistic signaling. I also see that some gifts are given for paternalistic reasons. I give my daughter mittens even though she may not want them. It's called out. Gifts can also signal our intentions and our values even when the gift is imperfect. I wouldn't try proposing with cash in my hand, even if my prospective fiancé would prefer that cash to the diamonds. Well, that's very wise. Right? You would never give cash as a gift as a, as a, right? Think about this, right? When we propose marriage, we exchange a specific type of jewel. It's a custom. Right? Does the recipient of the of the ring really value it? No, probably not. Look at how many couples will actually both wear wedding bands, but the actual the actual engagement ring itself is in a box in in the bedroom, or maybe even been sold. Maybe at a time when the couple actually needed some money, and they, and decided, you know what, it might be better to just give that away rather than than do something else but signaling is a is something we want to do when we give gifts we all right think go, go back go back you know what play the second seinfeld clip again please hey oh elaine i'm glad you're here stay stay right here i'm, I'm gonna be right back okay. <laughs> oh what is this yeah. you got me something yeah yeah open Oh, this. Kramer? Oh, the bench! You got me the bench for my brother! It's pretty good, huh? Great. You remember when we were standing there and she mentioned it? I made a mental note of it. Well, goody for you. Oh, yes. I'm very sensitive about that. That's the signal. He wanted to show her. I'm sensitive. I get that. So he is... I mean, he's in fact signaling that he he would be interested in Elaine as maybe more than just a friend. Of course, Elaine doesn't think very much of this idea at all, but he's trying to he's trying to send a signal along as well. Now, what I don't remember from the show because I didn't go back and watch the whole episode is where was this bench before? What store did they buy? Did 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 Kraber buy it from? Because one last thing that we sometimes do with with gifts is we bring them from far away. The the ornament that I was just describing to my wife actually came from a foreign country, and my coworker had actually brought it back from there for my benefit. So sometimes search costs are involved in gift giving. Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and play that. Hold on, Alex. I see a few cases where gift-giving can create value. Don't be such a Scrooge. Now, I know your tastes in economics books, for instance. So if I read a good book on the economics of crime and I pass it on to you, well, that's value creation. That's true. That's true. Okay. So gift-giving can work when it lowers the recipient's search costs. Now, in these days, that seems like probably the least reasonable way to think about gift giving because everything seems to be available on the internet at fairly low cost and so when search costs are lowered 
This is one less way in which gift-giving might be helpful. But it certainly is possible. The gift that my, my co-worker brought to me was not something that I could buy here in the United States. And I didn't go check, but I'm pretty sure, having looked at it, that it comes from a place that I would not have been able to advertise it and deliver it to me overseas over the Internet. So I think, in fact, that search costs could be a real way in which in which gift giving could be in fact in gift giving could be in fact efficient but to the last point to the last point that i want to make about this is sim- is simply is simply this it doesn't really matter how your gift is but it turns out that what people really like are gifts that are well wrapped right i i remember a uh, uh People, people, if you go to uh, the mall, you'll see you'll see the tree. Under the tree are lots of of empty boxes that have been beautifully wrapped, right? But it's meant to enhance people's uh, 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 it enhances people's willingness to buy. So it turns out that if you look at if you look at uh, at, at research, it's if you look at research on in evolutionary biology. Male, spi- male spiders of a particular type, uh, brown spiders, give food gifts to prospective mates. The nutrition value of the food gift is really next to nothing. But the way in which a spider demonstrates the, how much they want to, to have the female, a male spider wants the female spider to be a mate is in the wrapping of the gift. It's, it's really interesting to me that both Jerry and Kramer wrapped their gifts for Elaine, and they both look like really nice, nicely wrapped gifts. Because it's a bench, it was hard. Okay, Jerry puts cash in a box. Um, Kramer just wraps the bench as it is, but does takes the effort of putting a whole bunch of wrapping paper around the bench to give her the pleasure of, of unwrapping it. So no matter what you do, if you've bought your box of your box from some internet place, internet store and had it shipped to you, take the time to wrap it. It's interesting to me right now, it is hard. There are many places that will no longer over the internet that no longer wrap presents for you. Put put them in wrapping paper. Do it yourself. Okay? Um, so maybe that's, and, and as, so maybe that's a, one last lesson to have at the end of the show today. If you're still following along on Twitter at pound KBRS, there's an NPR piece that was just put up, uh, over the last couple of days about how to wrap your gifts. Well, we offer it to you here as a public service from the King Banyan show on business 1440. I'll have a blue, blue. Christmas without you I'll be so blue blue just thinking oh thinking about you decorations of Christmas tree 
Stuck in an expensive timeshare contract and feel like there's no way out? I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group. I've helped thousands of people get rid of their timeshares. I didn't realize what I was getting into. The whole thing was just a scam. I finally found information on Chuck, and he agreed to meet us. It was just a wonderful experience because uh, he knows that business inside out, and he actually wanted to solve our problem. I fought the largest timeshare company in federal court, and yes, I won. Whether you owe ten dollars to $250,000 on your timeshare, we can help cancel your mortgage. When you're approved as a client, I guarantee you a 100% success rate. We'll get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off of your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation at 800-786-9300. That's 800-786-9300. 800-786-9300. Small businesses drive our nation's economy, employing about half of the country's private sector workforce. Thanks so much. When you shop at local small businesses, you help the entire community thrive. Hi, I'm Congressman Jason Lewis. I support local small businesses for the good of our community. Let's help our neighbors thrive. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Giving your computer problems the boots. Arby's Computer Service. Hi, everybody. Randy from Arby's Computer Service. Let's talk managed services. Managed services is when you let a company like ours take over the responsibilities of keeping all of your computers and servers protected and running efficiently. We keep your systems patched, keep antivirus protection on all of your systems, provide a way to filter out much of the malware, manage your backups, and most of all, keep you up and running. This is no easy task and takes you time. Time is money. If your server or even an important computer goes down, can you afford this? Let us take care of all this for you, and you can stay focused on being profitable. And don't forget, we also fix your PCs, Macs, cell phones, and tablets, too. Call us today at 763-441-3884. Once again, 763-441-3884. Or find us on the web at rbsmn.com. Giving your computer problems the boots. Arby's Computer Service. With the holidays upon us, you will be spending time with your friends, family, and loved ones. Wouldn't it be comforting to know you are financially prepared for the coming year? Give your loved ones the gift of personal financial control. Hi, this is Marty Young. Join us for a free investing class by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and use keyword OTA. Again, pound 250 on your cell phone, use keyword OTA, or go to learnwithota.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Christmas edition on Business 1440. Thank you so much for listening. I was, um, I, the reason we did this show today was, was 
basically threefold. There's always, every year um, around this time, these stories that come out about how economists think of Christmas, and I think they mislead. All right? One that's... I think they lead you to think that e-commerce are just thoughtless sons of guns that only give away um, cash and aren't terribly grateful for the gifts they receive. That's not true. We understand that gift giving is is part of has been part of society back to primitive times. That while cash is an efficient gift in one respect, gift giving often involves giving away memories or sentiments as much as it does material. Giving experiences is as important as giving away giving away direct value. I don't necessarily need all the ties and socks that my, my family gives me, but I can always tell you which ties my wife gave me at Christmas or my birthday or which socks my son bought me in part because I know that if they're socks or ties, there's a good chance I'm not the one that bought them. And that memory, that connection is part of what matters. So I you know, I just wanted to get that out. But I was also I was also provoked because I'd I'd wanted to do a segment or two on air about this particular piece. I was provoked uh, during my Bible study um, a few weeks ago. Um, with uh, a reference to the to the Christmas story about the fact that uh, baby Jesus was born in a feeding trough. That is what a manger is, after all. And the suggestion was, the suggestion was at first that that somehow he had ended up in a feeding trough, and 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 the proximate cause of the feeding trough was that that was the only place offered to Mary and Joseph by the innkeeper. Now, for those of you that are familiar familiar with the Gospels, you probably will go immediately to the fact that the, 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 the phrase from the, from the Christmas carol, there was no room in the inn. So he was born in a stable. He was born in a manger, right? And for those of you that speak French, if you spell out that word and, and, and look at it through your French dictionary, manger, it's the verb to eat in French. Verifying the fact that where Jesus was born was indeed a feeding trough. My pastor, who is the one that made the comment, was right. But the, the implication was that, that the innkeeper had sent him there. And so I started to, to, to raise an objection, which, which is, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed by the church that I get to, uh, that I attend and, and the Bible study, which this pastor helps to lead. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in the fact that we have these rather significant discussions and so I said the inn was full, and and um, and he and he said yes, that's right, the inn was full. And I said there were no inns available at all, right? I said yeah, that's right. Why were there no inns available? Why was there no place for 
Why was there no place for him to stay, for Mary and Joseph to stay? What was Joseph doing in Bethlehem anyway? And he said, well, of course, he was there. He was there, of course, for, for the census that the Romans had had, commanded. And I said, ah, yes, that's right, that is. So the town was crowded. And the town was crowded because the, the occupants of, of Israel at the time, the Romans, had decided to have a census. Now, why did they decide to have a census? And what was the purpose of the census? Do we, you know, because when, when most people hear the word census, what they think to is, is, that, is that the Romans wanted to count up bodies. That, in fact, isn't the purpose of a Roman census. The Roman census is for the purpose of trying to figure out who, who has money to pay taxes? So what you have to remember. So what I thought I'd talk about for a few minutes that you might want to share around a Christmas table, or it, so that so that if you have to have someone bring up the Christmas story and accuse the innkeeper of being greedy or uncaring, I would argue the innkeeper is in fact not at all uncaring. He offered the family a place to stay. There's no indication of whether, of whether Joseph was asked to pay, to pay a you know pay a room charge, for the use of the stable and 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 use of the feeding trough. No use it as that. On that part, on that part, the pastor is absolutely right. But it's worth thinking about what was happening at that time. And, and to do that, you have to actually know a little bit about the public financing of the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire gets money in two ways. It gets money through, it gets money through indirect, in, in indirect taxation. So if you traveled over a bridge, a toll would be charged. If you shipped goods from one place to another, there would be a tariff charged. And those taxes, those taxes went to the treasury. But the main way in which, in which the Romans, in many societies of that period, collected money was through taxation of land. Right? You didn't tax labor at the time. Not directly. You indirectly taxed labor by, by charging them to use bridges and to ship goods. Most people paid tax by most people paid a tax by um, for the ownership of land, and so there had to be measurement of land. And, and the Bible, the Bible contains, you know, in many places, particularly in the Old Testament, detailed measurements from the size of Noah's Ark to to the measurements of the temple. Right? Romans developed, Romans and, and, and Egyptians developed ways to measure how many, how many acres of land somebody had. They didn't use the word acres, right? 
They didn't use feet. They didn't have the metric system. All right. You measured the size of the arc in cubits. But there were measurements. And these measurements had to be done by somebody. Now, now to, to understand the rest of the story, you actually have to understand that, in fact, the Romans were not going to send their precious soldiers out to assess, assess what was happening. So when, when in, Ma- in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Quirinius is said to have commanded a census, and this is a, de- this is a debate. There are people who want to deny, uh, deny the, the, the veracity of the Bible, and they will say, there wasn't a census, Quirinius wasn't there, and so on. I'm not, I, I'm not interested in debating the accuracy of every verse of the Bible. It is. It, I, I'm an economist. I'm not. I'm not a biblical scholar. But I'm an economist that teaches comparative systems, and one of the systems that we do in comparison is we discuss the economy of the Rome, of the Roman Empire. And one of the ways in which the Roman Empire got money was through was through taxing land, but they didn't have an an they didn't have an administration whereby there would be a county recorder that would measure the land, a surveyor that would, would, would actually say who has what. What they would have is someone that would come in and talk to each person and decide how much land you had, what was its value, and therefore, what was its tax. The census of the of the of the Christmas story is for the purpose of taxing landowners, of which Joseph was one. So Joseph wasn't this this Joseph wasn't this very impoverished person. He was able to afford to afford a room at the inn. But there was no room at the inn because the Romans had commanded all of the all of the landowners into their hometowns for the purpose of figuring out how much to tax them. The innkeeper, faced with this enormous demand for rooms because of the census taking, has to find some way to house all of them. So the innkeeper is not some greedy son of a gun. The innkeeper is trying to figure out a way to keep demand. I'll tell you a little bit more about the Roman story and the fact that one of the the authors of one of the Bible, one of one of the Gospels, is in fact someone who plays a key role in that tax system. Back after this, you're listening to the King Banyan Show on Business fourteen forty. I get the holiday fever now Every time you walk by my house Yeah, you find me up Though a cold front is turning the weather If Santa asked me for what I wish I'd point to you and say, there she is I've been a real good boy Do you think we could get together? 
Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Honey, have you seen the car keys? I think they're on the counter. Nope, I checked. How about in the drawer next to the fridge? I'm looking, they're not here. Misplacing household items is part of everyday life, but ensuring you're properly investing for the future is an issue you can't afford to overlook, yet many families do. At Nepsis Capital Management, we want you to find our keys, the four keys to investing for success. We understand the importance of having your financial house in order. That's why we provide the investment philosophy, strategy, flexibility, and transparency you need to unlock your investment. Don't get lost in the noise and traffic of today's complex investment environment. Call us at 952-746-2003 or visit our website at nepsiscapital.com. Our white paper, The Four Keys to Investing for Success, is completely free and available in our educational resource center. That's nepsiscapital.com or call us at 952-746-2003. Did you find them? Yep, let's get going to Nepsis. I'm ready to start investing for success. You have that one go-to club, the one stick in your golf bag that you know will always deliver a solid hit. Just like diamond stud earrings from Wicks and Jewelers. They're an absolute necessity for her. In one easy stop at Wicks and Jewelers, you'll find all sizes and styles of diamond stud earrings. No mall crowds, and you'll park right at the door. Diamond stud earrings from Wixens are a sure thing. Wicks and Jewelers, just off 35W at 99th and Lindale, Bloomington. Wixandjewelers.com. Open today, 9 till 6, and tomorrow, Christmas Eve, 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. This is Michael Medved for townhall.com. During the eight-day festival of Hanukkah, it's worthwhile to connect the celebrations to recent controversies surrounding Jerusalem. The joyous holiday celebrates the purification and rededication of Jerusalem's second temple in 164 B.C. But today, the official Palestinian position denies that this temple ever even existed. That absurd notion not only contradicts hundreds of references in both Old and New Testaments, but also goes against incontrovertible historical and archaeological evidence. This unbending extremism undergirds Palestinian insistence the Jewish people have no valid claims to any portion of Jerusalem and their furious reaction to President Trump's recognition of the holy city as Israel's capital. Neither the Trump administration nor the Israeli government rules out the idea that peace negotiations might one day establish a Palestinian capital in some section of Jerusalem. But until Islamic extremists recognize the region's actual history and drop the ridiculous fantasy of temple denial, there can be no progress and no peace. I'm Michael Medved. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, the Marines. Welcome back. Last uh, segment of the Christmas edition of the King Banyan Show. Thank you for being with us today. Let me remind you to go over to Spotify at spotify.com and in the search box type Spotify colon user colon KYCR underscore studio. Okay, Spotify colon user colon KYCR underscore studio. We'll post uh, shortly, shortly after this at Twitter at pound KBRS. 
the Christmas show playlist that I think will actually take you well through the Christmas holiday. It's a little rocky, and it's very Christmassy. You'll love it. So we've been talking about the Roman census that to which uh, Joseph and Mary rode to Bethlehem for, and it was it so it, it, so he they had to go. He went to register and register that he was to be married to Mary because that's part of what they were measuring. But for the there was you know there was really no way around it. It wasn't like he had a choice. Nobody had a choice when the when the Romans told you to go to a census, you had to go. And you had to pay taxes. But there's another part to the story, it's no, or what's likely part of the story, based on contemporaneous histories, that I think is true, and but not necessarily. So this is this is not a biblical, a biblically inspired observation. So let me be careful about that. When he went to register for the census, who did Joseph speak to? Would it have been would it have been a member of the Roman government? Chances are not. For about the hundred for about a hundred years before the birth of Christ, it was popular for the Romans who had expanded their empire dramatically without actually building up the bureaucracy that would come with it later on in the first and second centuries after Christ's death. It was popular for them to actually engage in something called tax farming or revenue farming, which basically was the the case where a group of people who were known as publicans or telonis in Greek, um, publicans would would in fact bid on pieces of the conquered empire and say, I promise that I will, I will give you this much money if you give me the right to go collect the taxes in this area. Now, publicans weren't just tax collectors, although as things moved along, they eventually were. These publicans would often be, be allowed or, or would be charged with also providing some services in the area in which they were collecting taxes. So they would be told, you have the power to take some of that tax revenue and use it to uh, build a road or, or build a, build a wall in this place. The money that the tax collector, the, the publican would receive. So what would happen is the, the, the publican would give the Roman emperor an amount of money. This is what they've bid on. And then the publican takes the risk that they may not be able to collect taxes enough to cover what they gave in the loan to the, to the Romans. They would go back and they would get interest on the loan. And if they collected more in taxes than what they had bid and paid to Rome, all that extra money went in the pocket. You can see why publicans or tax collectors throughout the Gospels end up being quite uh, vilified by many of, many of the writers. Save for one, Matthew. Doesn't really vilify them. There's a good reason for that. Before becoming a disciple, Matthew was a publican. He, in fact, was one of those folks who would have been waiting at the census. Not he's 
there's no evidence that he's the one waiting. He, he probably he doesn't seem like he could have been the one that was there who received Joseph and Mary to register them. Right? He would have been too. He would have been too young at the time. He'd been a boy. Been a boy by my understanding of of the history. But someone like that was collecting the money on their behalf because the Romans had not yet built out an administration so that they could have had a tax collection office in Bethlehem. So chances are there was a tax collector, a publican, who had bid for the right and then had everybody come in and do it. By the way, they also didn't do all the censuses in the same places at the same time. They would come later. So the Roman census was a tax collection device. Joseph and Mary were in, were in Bethlehem to pay their taxes. Share that around the Christmas table. Hey, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. John, Merry Christmas, and thank you for helping us out here today. Merry Christmas, King. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. And, and may God bless each and every one of you on your Christmas holiday. Here we've been the King Banyan Show here on Business 1440. When planning for and living in your retirement years, one thing is certain. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. Whether the challenges ahead are great or small, they need to be addressed. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Al and Mike as they'll be talking about your retirement and sharing five mistakes that can truly hurt your retirement as you navigate the years ahead. So make sure you listen to Money Matters with Al and Mike 2 p.m. Sunday on Business 1440 or call them today with your questions at 855-231-6010. If it was 1990, you'd be listening to your favorite radio station on that bulky boombox that burns through D batteries faster than you can say you've got mail. Well, thankfully, it's the 21st century, and there are much better alternatives. For example, just ask Alexa to tune in. Alexa, play Business Radio 1440. Throw out that old beeper and get with the times. Listen to your favorite Business 1440 hosts and shows with Alexa and Amazon Echo. If some high-pressure salesperson twisted your arm into buying a timeshare, it's not your fault. Whether you bought decades ago or days ago, I bet that salesperson didn't mention your timeshare could cost you twice as much as a regular vacation, or that you'd never be able to use it when you wanted, or that your fees could shoot up every year. They misled you, and that's not fair. That's why we're here, to get your timeshare company to free you from your unwanted timeshare. Get the free information you need at 1-800-905-5833. We're the Timeshare Exit Attorneys, America's number one timeshare exit service run by real attorneys, not sales companies or middlemen. It was a salesperson who got you into this mess. Don't rely on a salesperson to get you out. We've got a 100% service guarantee, and our team has already helped thousands of people get out of unwanted timeshares. For free information, call 1-800-905-5833. That's 1-800-905-5833. 1-800-905-5833. Relief Factor is made from high-quality fish oil and essential nutrients. Gives your body the help it needs to aid fighting recurring aches and pains. When life's aches and pains get you down, you need Relief 
Physicians made Relief Factor as an essential way to support the body's fight against aches and pains. It's a remarkable product. It has worked. I only endorse it because it helped my wife with her knee pain. I didn't even know she was taking it. Then when it was mentioned, she said, oh, yeah, this stuff is is like magic. Look, there are people who've told me they've postponed or delayed or simply negated surgery because of Relief Factor. That's how powerful it is. Go to www.relieffactor.com, that's relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384, that's 800-500-8384. This remarkable product is called Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. Business 1440, KYCR, Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group, streaming worldwide. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.